Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Here's your host, Tim Wilkins. And welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilkins, and today I'm joined by the co-host, the co-host Chris, joining me once again. Today's topic, we're talking about the Daytona 500, the crapshoot that it always is. And obviously, we'd like to congratulate Ricky Stenhouse Jr. uh, for another monumental Daytona 500, but also his victory of the Daytona 500. And not to be a spoiler, but that's who won. Chris, I think... This this year was more of a crapshoot than other years. Uh, maybe I could be wrong there, but it seemed like there was a lot of just unknowns, and there were some guys up in the front at the very end that are always up front because they hang out in the back all race long, and a lot of no names that we don't hear about finishing the top fifteen. Guys that are rookies finishing the top fifteen, and that's what makes Daytona so great. So I hope you enjoyed your viewing of the Daytona 500. I know I sure the heck did, but uh, see how it goes, man. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the winner, a lot of winner of a very winner from a very small team, Chris. I think we could talk about the history of JT Jordy racing a little bit and where they come from and and how they actually got to where they are uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's good to obviously good to good to be back, Tim, and talk a little bit about the uh, the sixty. Fifth running of the uh, the Daytona 500 uh, last Sunday. Yeah, obviously, really, uh, uh, you know, spectacle event there. A lot of pageantry. Um, you know, obviously, uh, with this being NASCAR's 75th season, a lot of emphasis on uh, the history of the sport. So you saw something unique with all former uh, Daytona 500 winners and champions honored, uh, who actually gave the the command start engines uh, before the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, as you, as you said, and perfectly, perfectly said, you know, the Daytona 500 is the ultimate crap shoot. Um, you know, you could have guys who, your guys who typically run up front every week who, uh, uh, get caught up in, in wrecks late and, uh, you know, are taken out of it. You can have a, a surprise winner, like, a like a, an Austin Sindrick in 2022 and then, uh, Ricky Stenhouse, uh, this year, but definitely cool for that organization you know jtg doherty racing they're a, they're a small team uh one car effort um actually they were a two-car effort up until a couple of uh, seasons ago when the when they uh they sold one of their charters away or were actually releasing a charter and then was uh purchased by another team so um yeah with the with the, the viability of those charters uh from an economic standpoint it didn't make sense them to keep a second car so uh yeah one car effort for them uh you know tad and, and jody Geschechter have been Longtime uh, folks in in the sport, you know, dating back well over 25 years, started in the what was the the Bush series, the Xfinity series. Um, you know, Tad himself was a, uh, a Procter and Gamble guy for for a long time, and actually brought Tide into the sport back in the back in the 1980s there with with Daryl Waltrip. Um, he's obviously uh, been heavily involved with the uh, with 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 uh, Kroger and all the different various vendor partners that they have. So in terms of the, the size and scope of the team, it's a small team, but they are, you know, through the 
the work of Tad and Jody have uh, obviously have a lot of, um, you know, have a lot of recent, you know, have a lot of financial resources for, for a team of that size. And then obviously Brad Doherty uh, being involved, you know, he's a lifelong race fan and has been an investor in, in the sport and been a part of the sport for a long time, both from a, you know, from a team ownership standpoint and also from a, from obviously a television standpoint of the work he did with ESPN and then with now with NBC. So definitely a, a cool story. You know, Ricky kind of look, you know, he's kind of the, the forgotten guy, you know, he won two Xfinity championships uh, in the early 2010s and had a, you know, kind of a flat to, you know, not as good of a time at the, kind of the, the downfall of Roush that he was there when he was there and then uh, went to JTG and has actually been fairly competitive on the plate tracks uh, around the restrictive uh, super speedway tracks. And uh, finally something worked out for him uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it definitely wasn't entertaining Daytona 500. I mean, it, it it's always a crapshoot like we talk about. And uh, let's kind of go through the timeline here. There's there's a series of wrecks throughout the race that kind of knock out some of the major contenders, including Ryan Blaney, who pretty much I have to give a lot of props for the number 12 team to kind of fight back, get themselves back on the lead lap with about 17 laps to go uh, and just get up there in contention. Uh, the car is obviously a little hurt. This from looking at a cosmetic damage standpoint, uh, damage car policy is obviously in effect, so they can't be sitting there on the pit road all day long working on it. But they get the car running pretty solid, get themselves in contention for the last go around. And, you know, I think, Chris, when we watch the Daytona 500, we always kind of wait for the last 25 laps because a lot of guys, a lot of movers and shakers are moving their ways around. And one of the few things, I think Kyle Bush talks about on the radio for the race. They kind of have a, a splice of that radio, that earshot. He says, well, if it was a normal, normal length, that would be the winner right now. And I hate to say this to Kyle and I know he doesn't listen to this, but it, it the Daytona 500 was literally won by less than a car length this year. And it has been won by less than a car length on numerous occasions throughout the history of the Daytona 500. So it obviously the safety rules, come and play here. They race the green, white checkered. There's a wreck, which I I believe is the most stupidest wreck there possibly could be in racing. I understand you're racing for the win. It's coming down. It, the white flag is, I believe it. The green, white was the green, white checker was in effect. So the green was waved. They were coming to the white on three and four. And Eric Amarola, for some way, shape or form bumps, Travis Pastrana. And this causes a chain reaction, which, by the way, Travis Pastrana, for being a rookie, did a heck of a job. And so did Connor Daly, and so did a lot of these other rookies. They they, they kind of did their uh, – they, they gave themselves credence to be there. I think, Chris, we can say that with these rookie class this year at Daytona. Um, yeah. They were there. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a guy uh, like Riley Herbst out of the you know, regular in the Xfinity Series, finished in 10th for Rick Ware Racing. So there were, there were definitely some guys who just, again, kind of kept, like you said, kind of kept their nose clean all day, stayed out of the, the big wrecks. And then when obviously all hell breaks loose, as is the case normally on these uh, super speedways, they, uh, they took advantage to have, uh, to have strong finishes. Yeah. And I mean, if you watch, everyone can go back and watch the replay for themselves and what I'm talking about here, but it looks like the 10 car kind of bumps Travis was trying on the corner, which breaks a very fundamental rule of plate restrictive plate, plate, yeah, plate racing to begin with. And that is 
you don't bump in the corners. You know, you don't bump, you don't push the pusher and you don't bump in the corners because <laughs> especially with these cars, these cars feel a lot looser in the corners or at least coming off the corners. And uh, it, it, it kind of led a chain reaction there. I don't blame Travis for that. I think that's just a races race situation there. And if you watch the sequence of events, Kyle Larson was going for a move too. That kind of made it three wide going into three and four. And I was surprised by that. But at the same time, if you watch that kind of sequence, he was trying to make a move coming to the white, which he still had plenty of time. Chris, I think you can attest to this. He had almost a lap and a half to go still to kind of make a push if he really needed to. But I think that move a little preemptive and uh, Joey Logano yeah. was there with the, you know, I think, I think at the same time you're, you're running out of, you're running out of patience because you know, something's going to happen. Right. So you, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you're also, also you're also got to position yourself to where you need to be. And at the end of these races, you also are fact, if you're a driver, you're also factoring in, Hey, the wreck's going to happen. If the caution comes out, on the white flag rap, lap, this race is over. So it's 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 kind of dog eat dog at that point. Um, not saying they some of the moves. Yes, I agree with you. Were very very low percentage uh, towards towards the end of that race for sure. But once you start getting in the, those last five, ten, you know, ten, you know, five to ten laps. Well, yeah, really during, get... during during the green flag, I, I not to cut you off there, but I agree with some of the moves that were getting done during the the I would say the regulation side of the race. Once we got to that last lap, I think Larson had – listen, I'm not a, by any means a crazy Kyle Larson fan, but I was wondering why he made it three wide at one point. I mean, Logano, Logano was pushing him, right? So Logano was pushing, and it seemed like to me Larson went low, and Logano was hung out to dry for a little bit there into that corner before the yellow got thrown for the final uh, you know, the result there. But it, it – you know, in my opinion, just saying me being me here, Chris, I think if Hendrick, if, if Larson hung up to the top and let Logano push him, Hendrick, uh, you know, five would be the winner there just because of how Logano, and this is going back to the manufacturers, and we'll talk about those guys. It truly is a remarkable conversation to talk about how Joey Logano was the only Ford in the top five for the result of that race with – you know, Ryan Blaney did a hell of a job getting himself back in contention in this race, but was he going to be a major player down the road? Who knows? We didn't have a chance to see that. You know, we really didn't because he wasn't given the opportunity there with that wreck. So, uh, yeah. Chris, I think I think we, the Chevys, the Chevys, something's definitely going on with the Chevys and, and, and Toyotas here, and I'm not really sure if well, it's a – Well, know. the Chevys have, have – at that again, and that, you brought up a great point there about, jo about Joey. I mean – you know, at that point, all of his forward help was gone. You know, you figure Blaney was was damaged, Cindric was was damaged in term. You know, uh, Burton. Well, let me ask you this, like, Chris. Let me ask you this: Was it was Blaney under power at that point in the race? Was he like was he horsepower wise bad? You know, or was he just arrow bad? Which, by the way, I being mean, arrow bad at Daytona with the last lap, hell, he could stick on the back of bumper and just push. I mean, at that point, yeah, I mean. I, it's hard to say, and yeah, he you know he would be the only person that would kind of know. But I mean, when you when you're missing basically your whole right front fender, I mean that car is basically a parachute in the air. Um, you know, once yeah, you right. once you've dam once you've done any damage to that to the to the body of that car, significant damage. It, Which it, they touted, by the way, they they touted that these cars are you know they can handle the damage, and yeah, logistically, Chris, they the car looked cosmetically okay. 
but like you say, it's like a driving around with a parachute. So yeah, there you know, bubble you know, bubble Wallace got got uh, turned into the wall from a from a push from from Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. And you know that that you know the, the body on that car did not look torn up at that point. But I'm sure with you know any type of significant contact to the wall definitely is not advantageous towards the the performance of the car itself so of course not not um, that, not, not, the, not the plate tracks that's for sure no <laughs> but 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 getting back to it yeah in terms of in terms of the the, the chevys there at the end i mean and, and where, where logano was and i mean again logano was the only real ford left uh you know all the all the other fords had either been uh, taken out in accidents and or were were out of you know track position or contention itself so really the the Chevrolets, which already do have a strength in numbers, just to, just in solely how many Chevrolets are competing in the in the Cup Series, had a definitely had a had a numbers advantage on Logano. So the fact that he even was able to have himself in contention to win there with no other manufacturer support uh, was was you know shows why he's a two time and reigning Cup Series champion. Uh, I believe Logano and I think Penske as a whole did a heck of a job. I think Austin kind of got. St- caught up in some nonsense in the back or in the middle of the, the middle of the race that kind of could have been a, I mean, a lot of guys, I'm not sure why it got so dang Gracie in, in the middle of the race. I mean, I get it. Or it, it, you guys want to go race for, for, for uh stage points. That's fine. But these guys, if you watch a lot of these plate races, don't let off the gas and let guys go by them all day long. They don't, you know, they're right, they're right in the back for 200 laps if they want. But at the same time, it, 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 to me, Chevy, something's going on with the manufacturers, and I'm not sure if it's R&D related, but some of these guys, when it comes to pushing at plate tracks and the Chevys now, I remember back in the old car before this car that it was kind of a point of contention of the pointed bodies compared to the rounded bodies by Ford and just got themselves in a weird conversation where Chevys weren't really you know, accepted, I guess you can say, as good draft partners, and it I, I don't see it this way now, but I see like Ford is going to be strong in these plate tracks, but at the same time, when you have nobody up there, it, it makes it a brutal race for a guy that's only one manufacturer, you know? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, alluding to a good point there, you know, this year, the, you know, the second year of the next gen car, um, all three manufacturers were granted new uh, nose designs. So uh, I know one of the things that the Chevrolets, just through reading, had been working on was was getting rid of that pointiness that the that the nose on the on the on the Camaro has um, compared to the kind of flatter obviously uh, flatter nose on the four on the Mustang and then uh, also on the Camry itself. So there have been some cosmetic uh, adjustments that have been done, but generally speaking, the, the the talk is that the Fords their bumpers line up better with the with the tail because all the tail sections are the same on the cars essentially so in terms of the manufacturers that knows the ford lines up better than the uh than the other two manufacturers itself so that's why i think that the fords can be more aggressive in terms of the uh, the tandem and the pushing and stuff like that yeah i mean i, I think overall man it was a good race um it's just one of those things that in the NASCAR season, you kind of have to go with momentum. And for obviously Ricky Stenhouse, we're, we haven't even alluded to the winner of this race, which, you know, his his fanfare, he's a dirt track guy, you know. And, and if you look at the top three or the top five, for the most part of that race, 
besides Logano, they were all dirt track guys. They all knew each other. Like they kind of knew Logano, Larson, you know, they all knew how to race around each other. So it wasn't going to be dirty. It wasn't going to be a wreck fest. It was kind of straightforward as straightforward could be when it comes to racing. But, um, you know, Christopher Bell, I think they sent the 17 and the 20, I believe, or I'm sorry, the 48 and the, I think for further inspection, I think it was a 48 and the 17 of Chris Busher back to the NASCAR R and D for further inspection, which tells me that they saw something on secondary inspection. They didn't like, so they're going to take a look further. Look and see what's up. Um, well, actually, actually general, generally what they'll do after, not, at least I, at least I've seen what they'll generally do after is, especially after a race like this, with this being the, <clears throat> excuse me, first race of the season, they'll, they'll generally take a couple car, take a car back from each manufacturer and they'll do a, They'll do they'll they'll do a um, you know an arrow an arrow check to see if there's any need for adjustments to make sure that the you know the the, the arrow the arrow numbers of each of the cars are as equal as can be. They'll also look at uh, put the engine put the cars on the on the uh, dyno and see in terms of the horsepower aspect how how much difference there is. So it it it's kind of more of a standardized type. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. Dis, I'm not discrediting anybody's involvement on in that. I think it's just it, it, a lot of guys, and it's. I, I would say maybe they they decided, hey, those two cars at the beginning of the race are going to go back for further, and maybe I'm just you know, you know, sparking up a smoke screen here. But at the same time, it it, it seems like usually when it comes to those, um, just in years past, they they don't like what they they don't necessarily have enough time to further inspect everything um at the time of the at the time of secondary inspection and they want to take it back just to have a better look and they might not find anything chris i think we've seen it many times where they do that and they don't find any damn thing but yeah you know and it's just a matter of hey i want the i mean it if the track if the teams knew ahead of time it wouldn't be a fun secondary inspection let's put it that way which which last year actually did they did find something with brad kozlowski that was why he was docked that large penalty um because of a uh an issue with with modifying uh, a single source part, which obviously with this new next gen car has been something that has been heavily frowned upon. Is is any type of modification staying the single source parts that are that are being used on this car? So I, I will say, and I know we wanted, I know we want to touch on it real quick. Was um, was the was the we're calling the the manufacturer manipulation that we're seeing a lot of these plate races or I know we say restrictor plate races, but technically not restrictor plates anymore. So super speedway races, I should say. Um, oh, they're still plate now. races to me, buddy. It's like a yeah. pack of cigarettes is bought and sponsored by Winston. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what you're seeing now, I think this has really kind of been a trend over the last, I'd say five to six years now is um, used to be the plate races. If you worked with a, if you worked with a guy, um, whether he was driving a Ford or a Chevy or a Toyota or if you want to go further back to Pontiac and regardless of what manufacturer were, if you guys worked well together, you, you know, there wasn't there this whole idea of manufacturer, uh, you know, manufacturers working together, but now, and, it, and it's really, it's really more, it was really definitely more um, obvious in the, in the uh, duels in the qualifying race last, uh, last Thursday, where you had all the Chevrolets pit together Um under green and then you had i think maybe three or four laps later all the fords come together and, and pit together and because of the distance and the amount of cars and the the, uh, the energy that they had the, the chevys had no shot at catching the fords which really kind of took away from the race so 
I think hey, that's one of the things. Yeah, I don't think Fords have a problem with that. Do you? That's not the that's not that's not the Fords' fault that uh, no, Chevy can't no, catch but, up. <laughs> but you know, I what we're seeing now is is that instead of going, you know, instead of drivers, you know, racing all out or hey, I work really well with this guy, even though he's with a competing make. Now we're seeing where you know you cannot. Teams are not, you know, now now these manufacturers are so heavily involved in what I'm calling manipulation of these races that, you know, it's, it, in some ways it's taking away from it and from the event well, itself. I, I, when it comes to less than five laps to go, man, I don't know about you, but it, it, some of these racers can throw all that crap out the window for a second. If I'm getting, like, for example, look at look at the last two, three laps of that race. Logano is pushing Stenhouse to the point, or no, Stenhouse makes the move to the top side after clearing. Do I make that correct? Yeah. He, that whole sequence of events yep. in the last series of laps, Logano's pushing Larson. Sorry. I, I messed up. Who's pushing who there, but like Logano, who's in a Ford is pushing a Chevy who is Kyle Larson. Right. So yep. on the outside, and even though Logano said it in post race interviews, he couldn't get to the bottom because his car wasn't handling well. That tells a lot because, by the way, handling at these races have has never in the past been a big thing. Yep, you know, never true. been a thing. So for a guy to say, "Listen, I'm better up on top," that's fine. I mean, that's you know. And but to me, I, I think I think Ford will counter your argument with this, saying, "Hey, listen, we let Chevy have uh, them them be able to round off and refix the nose of their car to make it more conducive. We're gonna do our thing." And you know, and that's that's what Ford's going to argue is, hey, listen, we let we let Chevy fix the nose of their car to make it more round and make it more, I would say, conducive to 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 bump drafting and things like that. Um, we couldn't, we didn't have to do that, and we did. But if you watch, you're right. During the the dual races, they, yeah, it was a no brainer. It's still a no brainer, even in the truck series, which we we won't talk about today. But the truck race. And an Xfinity race, highly entertaining weekend at Daytona. Um, I wish some of those races didn't get rain delayed and rain fixed, but um, which I mean, it's it's Florida, you know. Other than alligators and uh, other things that we won't talk about on air, thanks to MSNBC, uh, you know, that we'll talk about that later. But the uh, it's just a matter of Daytona being Daytona. It's a crapshoot. Like, where were you going to be if you were Ricky Stenhouse at that situation? You were trying to, he, he actually moves up to try to block. And so guys make moves, you know, and that's just how the racing is at this time of year. Uh, we are going to Fontana, which, uh, not sure what to really think about this. This is the last go around of Fontana, uh, at the two mile track, which, you know, it's been around a long time. The racing is obviously multi-grooved and it's really entertaining to, to be a race car driver there. But yeah, Chris, I think Daytona is kind of as a first, as the 75th running of the Daytona 500, you just kind of have to go. It's, it is what it is. It is the, it is the great American race. If anyone's never been before, you are missing out my friends and good people. Um, it is an amazing race to watch every year. Still packing the grandstands. You know that's a it's a good thing this year, man. So I, I don't know about you and your viewings on it, but I think the race overall was good. I, I could have seen a different winner personally, but good for a small race team to kind of get a win there. 
obviously kind of gives a shot in the arm for them too, going for the year that they have a race championship to compete for. So, yeah, I mean, now, you know, I mean, now you're you're locked into the playoffs. Now you're the first you're the first guy that's locked in. So, um, yeah, looking towards obviously looking towards this weekend in Fontana Auto Club Speedway, as you mentioned, yeah, last race um, officially last race on the the two mile uh, Auto Club Speedway uh, after 26 years. Um, so, you know, now the plan is that it will be switched over to a short track. Um, you know, just no one really knows the time frame right now of when that, when that switch and when the track will be available, no one knows what's going to happen looking towards 2024, um, you know, where this, where this date will end up, uh, in the, in the interim. So, uh, but yeah, definitely going to be an interesting weekend of racing, uh, out at Auto Club Speedway. Certainly. This is going to be where we'll find out who's, uh, you know, the cream will will rise to the top here and see who's whose cars or who's got the best handling cars. Um, you know, looking, you know, Daytona itself is kind of a crapshoot. You know, now we'll see who really has uh, who really has the speed and who's been working hard in the offseason to get their cars uh, driving good um, as we head towards the you know start the, the West Coast swing of the of the season here with Auto Club and then head off to Vegas and then finish the west coast swing in uh, in phoenix yeah no, and i think this this swing is kind of unique uh the west coast is obviously with them going out to do the the bush clash race out there in la coliseum which i won't comment further on that anymore but it they do that first and they go back to daytona and then go back out to california it kind of dampens in my view the west coast swing a little bit uh as a logistics guy it kind of puts a damper on that too but at the same time i think fontana will show really the racers racer on how to do this because it's multi-groove it's a lot of guys like ripping the top guys like ripping the bottom mid mid groove they they do multiple grooves in that track and it's really fun to see who has a good car uh who also has been in the sport a long time some rookies that actually enjoy that track which is kind of random but they do um same thing with las vegas vegas has become a multiple groove track now and uh that's where you start to see some of the the, the handling you're talking about the, the off-season work heck even mid-season work from you know from last time they were there they take those notes and bring them back to the track again uh i think chris overall man i think good daytona 500 uh overall this good start of the season uh interesting sports world going on right now but uh you know, NASCAR is definitely there to help us out, kind of break up the monotony of the rest of the seasons, not getting off to this, you know, not beginning yet or in, in between. So appreciate you joining me as always. It's been a, it's been a cool time. And uh, hopefully sometime next week, we'll talk about some more sports. We'll, we'll have a lot of stuff going on, on the horizon here, everybody. So Chris, I appreciate you joining me once again. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook.